The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, uh, I I come to you today happy that we've returned to a sense of normalcy in our podcasting life. Not that I didn't love talking to Ty Windish across three episodes, one of them with you. I definitely didn't love talking to myself, uh, but it's nice to just settle into our routine. We, we've both been very busy. You saddled by illness and NBA draft preparation, me saddled by real life uh, work obligations. And now we just get to like sit down in our, in our normal chairs in our normal rooms. You're completely talk, normal. Everything's and talk normal. About the, and talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. And we could just kind of get to the end of this series against the St. Louis Cardinals. And we go, okay. And that's just kind of my reaction. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, doing pretty well. We're recording right off the back of a Brewers win. Kind of felt like one they had to get. Didn't want to lose this series. Wasn't a very convincing series all around. But I think in looking at the Cardinals, the Blue Jays up next on the last episode, you're like, you know what? Just kind of get it together, and if you can go 500 across this spell, it's not the worst thing in the world. 
but certainly you didn't want to go and see the Brewers lose ground to the Cardinals against them. Uh, that could have been pretty, pretty punishing by the end of the season. So to have got a couple of good wins in there, I think one game for sure they'll like to forget. Um, and one that they might have let slip just a little bit too. There's some signs of good things, but I think all in all, Brewers are still looking not quite at their best, pretty inconsistent. But when you come true a series against uh, your biggest rival in a larger sense, and certainly right now and for the remainder of the season, all tied up at two games apiece, I think you can live with it. Yeah, and it was, uh, as I've told you before, it was my favorite uh, kind of series split. If you have to have a series split from a psychological perspective going into a podcast, because you get that game one win and you're filled with hope. And then you get back-to-back losses and you're despondent. And then they they save the day at the end and, and get the, the win in the finale. So, of course, we're talking about the Brewers splitting a four-game series with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, at some point in the next few episodes, I think we'll kind of do some analysis on a broader perspective about how guys are performing, what they need to change potentially at the deadline, and you know what's working, what's not. But right now, obviously, we'll, we'll go through this series. But I think we're at a point in the season where they've played, what is it, 72 games. And you can kind of recalibrate your expectations for what the regular season's going to look like. Not, not the playoffs, because it's getting into the playoffs and then playing in the playoffs is a whole new season. So I'm not going to think about that for now. But I think uh, going into this year, I thought the Milwaukee Brewers were going to dominate the NL Central. Uh, they haven't for a lot of reasons, uh, a lot of which has to do with Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta not being able to be anchors in your rotation. And we're kind of seeing what happens when some of the mid-tier starters who have flashed brilliantly in their previous roles being asked to be counted on a little more. And you kind of see why, why you do really need Brandon Woodruff in that number two spot and Peralta in the three spot. So that's been part of it. Also, I think, you know, underestimated the Cardinals. Uh, but to that recalibration, I think that the rest of this season is going to be a battle between the Cardinals and the Brewers because they're two good but flawed teams that, when paired up with one another, just naturally play these tight ball games where the littlest difference can decide the winner and the loser. There is no get- coincidence, too, I think, in as we will dive into – you look at the games the Brewers won and who played and who didn't play in the games they lost, you start to see the margin for error and you see where the Brewers can be locked in and be the absolute best version of themselves. I think for a lot of people, you see some of what kind of feeds into the hope of a better version of the Brewers in the postseason um, when you can really kind of focus in your bullpen in a way that you can't in the middle of the slog of the regular season, and particularly when every time you blink, it seems like you're having to adjust your your pitching rotation for one reason or another, and we've got some more of that right now, and as our, at our time of recording, um, there's some uncertainty there as to who we may see in a couple of days. The good news on that front is Brandon Woodruff is scheduled tonight, right? He's uh, pitching for the Timber Rattlers. Fingers crossed he's going to come true that unscathed and we'll see him back very, very soon and he can 
resume his normal role in the starting rotation. But in the games where it works out, you can see you can see the pad for the Brewers. It's not stress free. It's not easy, but it does still exist for them to win close games against good teams. Absolutely, and to focus in more specifically on the Cardinals series, uh, the first game of the series shows what happens when you have a true ace on your team and you have two of probably the best five relievers in baseball on your team because this was a game that uh, was set up to win the way the Brewers going into the season were set up to win, get enough runs to win, and your pitching carries the day. Um, going into Monday's game, there, w- there was already the known – the known fact that Tuesday was going to be a little different. Aaron Ashby going on to the injured list. Chichi Gonzalez uh, slated to start game two on Tuesday. So going into Monday, you knew that there was going to be the potential that your bullpen would be needed in bulk on, on that game two. So it was more important than ever that Corbin Burns went out there and did what an ace does, and that's carry you when you need it the most. And he did that. This was, I don't know, it might have been, I don't know if it was his best outing in the season in terms of overall numbers or strikeouts or whatever it may be, but uh, this was probably the most impressed I've been with Corbin watching him pitch on a plane uh, because the Brewers needed this so badly to, to set up the rest of the series and give them a chance to, to even, you know, be competitive in games two and three and then wrap up the series with a win in the final game. But Burns goes seven innings, only allows two hits, strikes out 10, just does ace things. And then you get to the eighth inning, Devin throws a scoreless inning. I know uh, we'll probably um, look at a stat that uh, you you found on Twitter when we're wrapping up Williams' uh, series, but he's just been incredible lately. And then you hand the ball to Josh Hader. He allows a hit, but gets out of the inning, and there you go. All you need is the two runs on a uh, Tyrone Taylor homer in the fifth, and you got yourself a win. It can still be – a little concerning when the uh, the offense goes 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. But when you've got a pitcher doing what Corbin Burns can do and potentially winning returns Woodruff and Peralta, you can win a lot of games this way. It might not be pretty. It might be scary. But this is probably how the Brewers are going to have to win the game games in the playoffs. And uh, it was a nice tone setter to the series, uh, especially against Miles Michaelis, who's uh, looking like an ace for the Cardinals lately. Six and a third innings pitch, four hits two earned runs, three strikeouts. He wasn't bad by any means, made the the one mistake against Taylor, and Burns just outpitched him. And um, really just comforting to see Burns back in his uh, old dominant ways. Yeah, Corbin was amazing. I'm going to say second best game of the season. He did back at the end of last month against the St. Louis Cardinals, go seven innings, just two hits, but on that occasion – just one walk and an additional strikeout as well, 11 strikeouts. That was in an 8 nothing win in St. Louis. But, but nice also to see he's coming up with his best performances of the season against the Cardinals. That's something I think everyone can get on board with. And again, could be worth its weight in gold as the, the season progresses. But yeah, really, really dialed in and they needed that. Like... We're seeing we're seeing a, a much kind of stingier version of Corbin, it feels like lately, even his previous start against the Mets. Um, more hits given up, but that was a game that the Brewers really got some nice control over. And he just needs to be 
the guy, the guy that he is. He needs to be that NL Cy Young winner, and the Brewers need him to carry them through his starts. And where it's a three-game series, a four-game series, that they're able to look at that in advance and be like, okay, well, let's pencil that one in as a W because we've got Corbin Burns on the mound. And with a performance like that one, that's certainly how it feels. So if he can continue in that vein, that will be a really big boost because as we're now talking about for quite a while, and as you talked about quite a bit in my absence, the, the lack of consistency lately with starting pitching for a whole variety of reasons, many of which are just kind of beyond the brewer's control, it's really challenged them because the the roster is not assembled to work under that kind of strain. Like it, it is built that the pitching is what's going to win them games, it's going to keep the score low, and then your offensive concerns, well, more often than not, you'll just find enough. So when Corbin Burns is stepping up like this, kind of cures everything that uh, that ails the Brewers. Yeah, absolutely. And transitioning into game two, uh, starting pitching was is what we expected to see in this game. And it obviously wasn't a vintage performance. But the crazy thing about this game is Chichi Gonzalez and his start was really not the problem. Uh, he going into this game, he had thrown seven innings and two starts for the Minnesota Twins with a 7-7-1 ERA. So to say that our expectations were low <laughs> would would be an understatement, but he goes four innings, allows four hits, three earned runs, 73 pitches. Not great, but kept him in the game. And the biggest issue for the Brewers in this game was just not capitalizing on Jack Flaherty's mistakes. Flaherty uh, looks like a shell of his former self. He used to be dominant, Cy Young contender, has been battling injuries the last few seasons. This was his second start back. And he, he just didn't have it, and they didn't take advantage. He went three innings, three hits, and the most, I think, uh, striking thing about this outing was the five walks in the three innings and continually, continually putting runners on base. And the only runs the Brewers got in this baseball game came in the first inning on a Willie Adamas two-run homer. So just a, a game that they didn't take advantage of early, and then once – the Cardinals got into the bullpen. They just kind of dominated. I mean, Giovanni Gallegos is is filthy. Ryan Helsley uh, pitched two innings as well and was was dominant. And I do want to say real quick, uh, what on the last episode when I was talking about Ryan Helsley, I was genuinely saying that he is a great guy and was supportive of the things he said about the tomahawk chop in 2019. So wanted to clarify that because I was being cryptic for no reason. But yeah, Ryan Helsley. You have to clarify that because we came off that and Ty and I were like, what did he What did he do wrong? What's, what did he do? And you're like, oh no, he did nothing wrong. It's like, oh, okay. Well, we took that yeah. the complete opposite way to how you meant it. So Ryan Helsley, uh, <coughs> excuse me, great guy, uh, great pitcher. It's uh, and unfortunately, the, that was at the Brewers' expense in this game and in this series as he closed things down with two scoreless inning. Him and Gallegos just gave the Brewers no chance. Um, yeah, the offense just didn't have it despite the opportunities. Again, going 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position, seven runners left on base in the game. Victor Caratini um, got the, the curse of Andrew and grounded into a double play with runners on. I think for the game, uh, he he left more on than, than anyone else. I, have it right here no i don't this box score is letting me down apologies everyone it has been a long week but yeah the offense just didn't capitalize on opportunities early in the game and then the cardinals did what the brewers would have liked to do and 
get themselves to a situation with the lead with their lead bullpen. Four hits for the game for the Brewers. Not going to get it done. Like they were only in a position to to have more of a chance than really they should have to leave those guys stranded on base because there were six walks. That's something that actually Brewers did a really good job of being disciplined and just getting on base, getting walked, but hits were not there in this game. And I think if we're going to get too many four hit games from the Brewers, you're not making life very easy for yourself. Particularly look at the upside of ledger. 11 hits for the Cardinals. Yeah, they were in the game until about the eighth inning. Brent Suter relieved uh, Chichi Gonzalez and pitched one and a third inning scoreless. Miguel Sanchez then came in one and two thirds innings, a couple of hits, run allowed and a walk. Uh, the The run was allowed on a home run uh, by, I believe, Nolan Gorman, who was an absolute terror in this game. Four for four, two runs, four RBI, two home runs. They could not get Nolan Gorman out in this game, quite literally. And then Peter Streslecki has his uh, uh, most difficult outing as a Brewer so far. Two innings pitch, five hits, two runs by the Mern. Did have three strikeouts. Uh, nice to see Suter put together a run of form where he's uh, putting up scoreless innings. Uh, but, yeah, in this game it was just didn't get uh, – enough hits and drive runners on when you got guys on base, a lot of traffic with those walks that the Cardinals are giving up, but was not to be. And uh, the Cardinals are good. So if you don't take advantage of mistakes, they're going to make you pay. To your point at the start too, like with the Gonzalez start, there is an element of, I think the Brewers somewhat being resigned to their fate. And as you said, in the moment you already just on here, what is kind of frustrating is it didn't have to be like that. They had more of a chance, but even when you look at the bullpen struggling and the guys who go out there, like Sanchez just under two innings, Strzelecki going two innings. Putting all those guys into multiple inning spots doesn't necessarily help them either. It doesn't kind of look all that flattering in the cold light of day when we're looking at the box score a few days later. Um, but that's not necessarily the best spot for them either. And there's probably an element of game planning on the Brewers' part with that game of oh, well, you know, we're just, we're literally pulling a guy off the street, essentially. Not, not in a literal sense, but to be a starter. Um, it was not something that 10 days ago, I don't think anyone had on their mind that Chichi Gonzalez would be starting that game. So it's it's one of those things. Uh, it's, I think when you look at game one, you look at how they won and who pitched. And I don't just mean Corbin in terms of game one, but I mean, you look right down the bullpen, it, it speaks volumes. And maybe that's just part of the issue the Brewers are having at the moment, down some starters and the strain that's having overall on their pitching staff. It would be nice to see them get back to a place where you've got kind of a couple of platoons when it comes to your bullpen that you could feel really good about. And a couple of starters that you're trusting in too, because that's obviously a big issue in its own right right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving on to game three was another situation where um, just didn't get the best performance from a starting pitcher that who with Woodruff and Peralta out needs to be relied on a little more to step up. Uh, Eric Lauer took the mound against Adam Wainwright. Um, neither guy really had it. If we're, if we're being honest, Wainwright four and two thirds innings pitched seven hits, uh, four runs, all of them earned had seven strikeouts. The curveball was uh, confounding hitters from time to time. Uh, this one got started off early in the first. Uh, Lauer, who has continued lately to struggle with allowing home runs. It's been walks and homers for him, uh, depending on the game, when it gets away from him. Today, only one walk, but did allow two homers. Paul Goldschmidt with a homer in the first inning. That'll happen. Paul Goldschmidt is having a MVP-level year right now, and he's an incredibly tough to get out. He did not play – I forgot to mention, he did not play in that game, too, uh, against the Brewers and Chichi uh, Gonzalez. So uh, I really was hoping they would get a win without, having, without him in the lineup. Uh, and then he showed, he showed me why I don't like seeing him in the lineup in that uh, game three. Rowdy Tellez did answer back in the bottom of the first to make it 2-1. Brewers fought back and then struggles continue in the fourth. Albert Pujols sack fly scores Arenado. Then the Brewers answer back McCutcheon with a homer in the bottom of the fourth to make it 3 2. Bottom of the fifth, Christian Yelich double to score Tyron Taylor to make it 3 3. And then the Brewers uh, grabbed the lead in the bottom of the fifth uh, when Andrew McCutcheon hit a ground rule double to score Christian Yelich. And then in the sixth, Nolan Arenado two run homer scoring Goldschmidt that gave them the lead. They would not relinquish at 5-4. Eric Lauer, six innings pitch, six hits, five runs, all of them earned, and the pair of home runs for the Cardinals' stars in this game. Uh, the difference for the Cardinals is their stars were stars, and they got the job done. Lauer this year has an 18% home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, that is by far the highest of his career. Um, his rookie season in 2018, it was 12.7%. That's the highest it had been until this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, where that kind of normalizes because it seems like, you know, we go into this year talking about are the balls dead and it doesn't seem like they are And Eric Lauer starts uh, that home run rate just up considerably. Um, yeah. And a situation as well where he did struggle uh, the Brewers offense put together innings of building runs early, but just couldn't still couldn't get over that four run threshold. Uh, and then another pair of Cardinals relievers got the job done this time uh, with Johan Oviedo and Genesis Cabrera. Um, but yeah, Lauer struggles early. 
Brewers offense can't overcome it. One for six runners in the scoring position, six left on base. Some nice things to see, but overall just uh, didn't work out. Another scoreless outing for Hobie Milner, an inning pitched, one hit, a walk, three Ks, and then Trevor Kelly with his best outing as a Brewer. Shout out Rowan Cotty. Two innings. We were, pitched, we were on playback. Seconds. We were on playback with Trevor Kelly's number one fan, Rowan Cotty. Andrew and I, were we being the most complimentary we could possibly be about Trevor Kelly all throughout? No, Trevor Kelly showed us. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, what, to... what I what I love particularly that was the emotion he was showing, and I did see him speaking post game and him talking to the, what I had actually probably been a med shake kind of throwing at him, which was it was a role reversal because Hobie's been coming out and digging him out of holes and stopping his uh, the runners he was inheriting from Kelly from scoring recently, and Trevor Kelly talked about how coming in with. Runners inherited from Hobie, he wanted to make sure those guys weren't scoring. So that certainly uh, gave him some extra motivation he delivered. So hat tip to Trevor Kelly. It has been a wild ride for him lately. Things have started to trend up a little bit. I don't know. I'm gonna. It's going to take me quite a few more instances of this for me to buy in again. Um, but it's certainly, I prefer this version of Trevor Kelly than some of the other performances we've seen lately. I think just a lower to your point there. I think um, not just like home run to fly ball, just generally, where is Eric Lauer going to normalize this season? Because we've really seen extremes of him. Like it's, it's quite a while ago now that it feels strange to think back to just how no one was getting anything off of him to start the season. Like he was dialed in and all the stats were kind of, casting the eye back to June, July of last year. And he was like top five ERA in uh, the National League in that time frame right there and even better than Corbin Burns for a lot of it. And what we've seen from him recently, that's quite tough to imagine. Even the ERA now having kind of crept its way all the way up to 3.89. I would just like to see a really kind of consistent run where he could settle in like... He, he doesn't have to be the incredible version of himself that probably felt a bit unsustainable earlier in the year. Um, but it would be nice to see him find just some middle ground and kind of settle in a bit. Because even with his body language, like the, the first homer in this game, it's early and you could just kind of... You could see an element of, oh, it's happened again. Like, it's not like he hangs his head and that's how it goes for the rest of the game. But there is an element of, yeah, this is just how things are going for me. It seems to be when he gets out there and I'd like to see him snap out of that, have a couple of good games and, you know, maybe just, maybe just normalize that. Oh, look, there's a couple of runs. There's three runs, get some quality starts going and things should all seem quite a lot better again for Eric Lauer. Yep. I agree. And not everything's doom and gloom though, because we do move on to game four. Uh, where the Brewers would wrap up the series with a 6-4 win. Another Jason Alexander start, and for the most part, did what Jason Alexander does, which is uh, get in, himself into trouble and then out of trouble. I missed this game in its entirety. Adam, I don't know if you want to speak to some of the things that uh, maybe I didn't get to see as I was uh, keeping up on my game tracker. But from the outside looking in, it seemed like a pretty typical Jason um, Alexander uh, performance and some uh, some stressful moments to begin with, and then Tyrone Taylor making us feel all warm and happy. I mean, the stress came in the kind of situations we're not always getting to experience it in. 
I think twice this game, the Brewers had the bases loaded with no outs, and also once they had two guys on base with no outs, if I remember it correctly. Uh, I also think, and I'm trying to rack my brain to go back to it now, they may have got one run out of all of those situations combined, so that wasn't even necessarily how a lot of their scoring was coming, but they were living on base in this game. Uh, Eight hits, seven walks. Again, really good discipline at the plate from the Brewers in this series. Uh, Lead off Yelly, that is still as much as there was a couple of kind of blips on the radar where, where it didn't quite work out. That is still looking to be something that is bringing a much better version of Christian Yelich, um, someone who is setting up the Brewers to have a better chance of success early on. And with the way Willie's hitting right now, we have talked about the feast or famine nature of it, and that is the same for a few of his teammates. But every couple of games, you know, if, if Yelly can get on base and we've got Willie up second in the order, you're going to pay that off. Uh, Rowdy has been showing some good discipline lately, too. There were no walks in this game for him, but he did come up with an important RBI early on. A couple of hits for Kutch once again. It's just a very, very steady performance all around, with then the crucial moment being uh Tyrone Taylor coming up with a tree run homer in the fourth which you know after starting out first inning what I will put down as the worst defensive play of the season for the Brewers um Jason Alexander surrendering two runs from what I described to you as just all all I could was a literal comedy of errors it ended up being uh, an inside the park home run right essentially um, by way of, I think it was Goldschmidt who, who hit on that one. And a bad throw, ill-advised throw from Jason Alexander back out towards third base where there were three brewers lined up. No one even really came close or attempted to not only catch the ball, but to get in front of it. It managed to get its way back out to the outfield and two runs scored out of what should have been a very manageable situation. If you haven't seen it, I don't even know if I want to tell you to go and watch it because it's the kind of thing that will it will keep you awake at night. It was not a fun start to the game. So to see them come straight back, get a run back in the first of their own, and then to come up with that three-run homer for Tyrone Taylor in the fourth, which that that's kind of coming through a spell where we've already seen them not take advantage of guys in scoring position you're beginning to give a pope on that. And then Tyron Taylor just smashes one out of there uh, while Yepes out in left field just had absolutely no idea where the ball was and filled everyone, filled the cameras, filled the commentators because he thought he was going to catch it about 10 feet from the wall. And all of a sudden the ball was just flying and flying. It's like, oh no, it's it's way out of here. So watching Yepes play defense the past couple of games has certainly been interesting. But on the whole, some good disciplined offense from the Brewers. Jason Alexander still remains probably the most consistent non-Corbin Burns pitcher, starting pitcher the Brewers have had over the last month. Like I I don't think there's much debate on that one right now. He had his moments again, but I think a pretty solid start overall. Um, Brad Boxberg came in for one of the third innings continue to do his job he's been on a really strong stretch the same applies for Devin Williams no hits another scoreless inning for him 
And likewise, scores inning, no hits, two strikeouts. Josh Hader closed out the game without really breaking a sweat. So a nice way to finish the series. Yeah, uh, this was uh, a stressful one for me because I couldn't watch. Uh, it drives me insane not being able to watch Brewers games. Uh, who would have thought we would have been saying this in March? But here we are. Uh, I mean, this team uh, just finds a way to, to stress you out, but then they come in and get the win. Uh, I did on my phone as I was walking uh, the wrong direction towards my hotel. Uh, got to watch a little bit of Josh Hader close things down in the ninth, a couple of strikeouts. Devin Williams obviously having a great season. And, uh, yeah, Milwaukee Brewers end up with a – a 2-2 split in this series and see themselves 40 and 32, which is an identical record to the Cardinals tied in the NL Central. I think they're six and six against one another this year already, or am I saying that incorrectly? I don't know how many times they've played. I thought I saw that said on Twitter. At the very least, if they haven't played 12 times, they've, they're at they've least... played they've played 12 times. So okay, so six and six on the year. There's barely anything other than run differential, which doesn't matter separating these teams um, in the standings. And uh it's going to be a battle. I really think it's going to be a battle uh, because I have no self-restraint. I will be in Milwaukee at the end of August to watch some games in person. I am an absolute sicko. Don't, don't give me downtime to think about anything that I want to do because I will do it. A couple of Cubs games, Pirates game, and the division race could come down to who beats up on those bad teams in the division and uh, got to take advantage of it. And I'm glad that they battled back and did not uh, make this a three out of four game series loss. That would have put them two games back. Uh, I have a couple of questions it, for you on that. One, yeah. did you strategically pick those two series for a chance to, you know, maybe see some more reliable offense? Um, the, the strategy came down to miles, <laughs> excuse me, miles that could be uh, put towards the purchase so that I didn't have to pay out of pocket and dates on the calendar where I wasn't elsewhere. But this is a very happy coincidence that it comes against the team I now hate most in the world, the Chicago Cubs uh, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Cardinals are really creeping up there behind the Cubs. I think I might, like, because of relevance, I need to hate them more because the Cubs are 26 and 44. So, like, are they even in Major League Baseball? Have they been relegated to – triple uh, a yet i don't know um but yeah uh i do hope that because of the opponents i get to see some offense uh from the brewers and you know hopefully uh one of those games is a corbin burns start my second question was going to be did you also choose those games to make sure you got to go and shout at cubs fans so i think you've answered that question i know i hear that they uh, are afoot at am fam from oh there there so, will be there will be plenty of them there Cool. I'm going to ask them why they chose to spend their time watching their trash team, and we'll see how what happens from there. Moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard. Um, yeah, <laughs> starting things off, obviously Corbin Burns. Seven innings pitch, two hits, no runs, ten strikeouts. He was the ace when they needed an ace, and there you go. He, he's locked in. Willie Adamas, the power surge is real. Four for 13, two runs. Three RBI, a homer. Tyrone Taylor came through big in two different games. Game one with the two-run homer. Today with the three-run homer. And 
uh, you know, he had been struggling. His numbers still don't look great overall in the season because of that slip. But, I mean, he come, came through in big moments, so got to be happy about that. Three for 14 in the series, five RBI, two homers. Rowdy Telez uh, lived on base in this series. He may, may not be the flashiest line, two for 12, but four walks. And we're money ball guys. We like him because he gets on base. Two RBI, a homer, one run scored. Josh Hader, two innings pitch, three Ks, two saves. Goes without saying, best relief pitcher in baseball. Two innings pitch, or excuse me, Devin Williams also getting a beer. Two innings pitch, two strikeouts on the series and continues to just be in, in an incredible uniform. Uh, the leaderboard through 72 games played. Uh, Rowdy Telez leads the way at 10. Corbin Burns behind him with eight. Jace Peterson with seven. Josh Hader and Christian Yelich uh, coming in with six. Devin Williams, Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro with five. Tyrone Taylor, Andrew McCutcheon with four. Hobie Milner, Jason Alexander, Aaron Ashby, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Colton Long, each with three. Victor Caratini, Omar Narvaez, Brandon Woodruff, Luis Urias, Adrian Hauser, and Kevin Euro with two. Brad Boxberger, Trevor Gott, Luke Barker, Peter Shreslecki with one. That is your Master Brewer leaderboard. The Blue Jays. The Blue Jays. What, what's what? What should I know? I know I. I am both excited and dreading my first look at Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Um, they're a good team. Uh, probably not as good as a lot of people expected them to be this year. Partially because they're playing in a division with the best team in baseball. The Yankees are fifty-one and eighteen, which is Looney Tunes right now. Uh, but the Blue Jays are second in the division, a half game up on the Red Sox, 39 and 30, uh, 12 games back of the Yankees. Despite being a team that's in a playoff position right now, they are in currently one of the wild card spots. Only a plus 26 run differential. Would have expected that to be higher just because they're an offense that you would expect to mash just because of the guys they have in it. Um, they have scored, they've only scored the third most runs in their own division. Um, behind the Red Sox and the Yankees. But other names to know, Adam Bobachette. Uh, he's a power-hitting shortstop. Uh, George Springer, former Astro. Uh, Matt Chapman, uh, not uh, a guy with a tremendous bat, but one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball. And then Alejandro Kirk, who's having an incredible season at catcher, hitting 307 with a 395 OBP and a 487 slug for an 882 OPS, already has accumulated 2.9 war on the season. As we've discussed many times, uh, the Brewers are fortunate enough to be a team with two uh, above-average offensive catchers, and Kirk is uh, <laughs> by himself one of the best offensive catchers in baseball right now. Um, so they're, they're a scary team. On the mound, uh, Alec Manoa, I, I would assume, I would assume Blue Jays fans would call him uh, their ace right now. Uh, very good pitcher. He went to college at uh, West Virginia. I remember uh, buzz around him being a first-round pick when he was in school. So uh, we'll take a look at who they project to see on the mound in this series on Friday night at 7-10 Central Start. Alec Manoa himself against Adrian Hauser, so that'll be one to watch. Uh, Saturday, you say Kikuchi former Seattle Mariner uh, at 310 Central will take on Cor Corbin Burns. And then Sunday, June 26, 110 Central start, Jose Barrios versus question mark, maybe. Go ahead. No, I was going to say TBD. I was just, uh, while you were talking through the Blue Jays there, I was just trying to 
see had anyone got that scoop since the game finished this evening, but still seems to be a TBD situation. So Chichi Gonzalez again, maybe, or possibly we see Ethan Small again. I would really like to see Ethan Small again. Obviously, his first start uh, just had a, a bad third inning that he didn't get out of. Craig Council probably trying to, to save him a little bit and spare him from uh, like a truly confidence denting disaster. But it would be really nice to just see him get a start at home in front of the home fans who undoubtedly will be excited to, to see him play. Um, yeah, it might be small. Knowing the Brewers, I just kind of think it'll be Chi-Chi again, but we'll see. I, I think it's uh, a good opportunity for Small, though, even with the way the Brewers have been very careful in managing it, because, and maybe this is why it still hasn't been announced, like if Brandon Woodruff has a successful start with the Timber Rattlers tonight and everything is all clear, he's likely to be penciled back into his usual spot for that game two against the Pirates. So you're not necessarily looking for small to come up, have a good start and then stay in the rotation. You're giving him a chance. It's like, okay, we have this gap, you know, Jason Alexander is holding it down where right now I don't see any reason why he probably doesn't hold on to the Freddie Peralta spot. So this could just be a chance to be like, okay, it's, it's a free hit for you. Eating small. It's one game. It's another game's major league experience. Let's see how you do. Let's try to do it better than last time. I don't know. That seems compared to his first start where I do think if he had really held it together, like he, like he started the game, he wouldn't have gone back down to Nashville. Like I, I think we would have seen quite a bit more of him because that was the state of the, the bullpen and the starting rotation at that time. I think in this scenario, it, it may be easier to bring him up and be like, look, you don't have to feel the pressure of a, it's one game. I know that's what I would vote for if, you know, they pulled Brewers Nation that extends all the way to Dublin, to North Carolina, to Manhattan. Uh, but we'll see how it shakes out. I will say also the uh, Brewers are wearing their uh, City Connect uniforms this weekend. So it'll be cool to see those on the field for the first time. Corbin Burns bobbleheads night as well this weekend. I actually thought that was, I thought that was Sunday when he's starting Saturday, but I may be wrong on that. That would seem weird. Uh, the the, tw- the 26th, right, is the it's Burns Day. Okay, okay. Well, then it is the day of his start, which makes much more sense. Um, I think that about wraps it up. As we said, kind of a just it. You're gonna roll your eyes, but this is like a if in a Formula One race, the race started and the both cars came out of the first turn and they're just locked together side by side with no difference in their position that's kind of what the brewers and cardinals are doing right now and uh i i have a feeling this is going to be a race coming into coming down the stretch in september and that i'm going to be watching very meaningful baseball with uh strangers and cubs fans in a few months i guess that's something to look forward to yeah and you know unless uh unless uh the world implodes i don't know well let's hope that doesn't happen andrew until next time, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's cruising for a bruising. You should also subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network. That's where you get all of your Milwaukee books coverage from myself and Jordan Tresky, from Ty Windish and Ron Cotty. We are speaking to you now just a couple hours before the NBA draft. So we are in for a busy night. 
uh, Andrew too. We will be on playback. I'm put. I'm putting this episode straight up, Andrew. So maybe someone will hear this and be able to jump in. We're going to be watching along live. If you're a member of the GSPN Discord, you can come watch the NBA draft with us. We'll all be in there. We'll be having a good time, and hopefully the books won't ruin it for us with their decisions. If you're not a member of the Discord, gspn.info, go to the link there. Among the many Eurostep Podcast Network details there, you can go and get access to the Discord. We're on Twitter, at BrewersGSPN. GSPNstore.com, it's where you can get all your cruising for bruising, winning six Eurostep merch, a new Pat Connaughton team's design up there today, you know, covering basketball and also baseball, Andrew. Um, noted Milwaukee Brewers fan, Pat Connaughton. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. gspn.substack.com. That's where you'll get the write-up on the Master Brewers. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.